Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Uh, really glad to be here today. Uh, last week was the very first show in well over a year that I wasn't present for. Zev did a pretty good job. Cooper did a good job. Um, it was a pre-record, so it, it worked out just fine. But I'm glad to be here today. I was in uh, Costa Rica with uh, the NRA and uh, did a little fishing and a little networking uh, as an advertiser with the NRA publications. Uh, they wanted to take me out and treat me to some really good fishing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a little disappointed in the fishing, but, but we had a great time uh, as a group of guys. So as you can see in the windows, we've got Brittany McMillan here. She's going to join us for most of this show. Uh, Cooper is here, uh, as she normally is, but um, we're going to make her stay on camera today instead of hiding behind the, the little blackout. And right now we also have Gary Larson. And we're going to um, get to Gary in just a minute. Uh, just wanted to talk about a few things. We are live on Facebook. I want to thank all of our Facebook uh, watchers and listeners for uh, tuning us in. Uh, it's going to be a great show. We're going to keep track of uh, the feed. So if you guys have any questions for either of our guests or us, either one, type it into the feed and uh, we'll get to it uh, when the time permits. So uh, we're going to try to take care of everyone that, that's listening and watching. Um, great video feed. I, I, I've said it before. I really love uh Zoom, and it really works really well for this type of format. Zev is not here today. He's uh, on the road to Texas to the world's uh, longest shot challenge uh, and representing ELRHQ.com. Uh, ELRHQ was the title sponsor of the match, so um, he's there you know, letting everybody know about uh, the products that we have and how that relates to ELR and uh, going to represent both McMillan and ELRHQ. Cooper, we're, I'm going to start with you. Talk to us about uh, our social media and stuff. I would like to invite everyone to follow and like our Instagram and uh, Facebook pages. So we're at Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan on Facebook and Instagram. And then we have McMillan Fiberglass Stocks on Facebook and the McMillan underscore stocks on Instagram. And of course, please follow ELRHQ. I'm wearing a sure to represent to help that out <laughs> so please go to elrhq.com to sign up for our newsletters as well and then you can find us at elrhq on facebook and instagram thank you cooper that was awesome um i like the shirt and uh so Britt, why don't you just say hi tell everybody um what's going on i know i think you've got something you want to talk about with uh, the cube so We'll start you off with just a little uh, introductory. Hi. Um, we are working diligently still on the McCubed line. We'll have a tactical and a hunting line. We are excited about it. The feedback we've got from the tactical line um, is is great. Um, we're still trying to finalize some, some minor details, making sure that we provide you guys with the best product possible. 
Um, so it is taking a little longer than we expected, but know that the delay is only to produce a better product for you guys. Um, so we're really excited. We're probably looking uh, middle of the summer. Um, hunting stock will be coming very soon as well. Um, so some exciting stuff is coming. You guys will be very impressed with them. Now I'm going to apologize to Brittany for making her do that because it's not her fault. Uh, it's really nobody's fault. One of the things, and I've talked about this before, in deciding to do a plastic stock, in order for it to be truly a Macmillan, it had to be different. It had to be better. And, and if it weren't, it wouldn't have been good for our brand. So we've worked really hard. We've developed a different process than anyone else has used. And I have to admit, I can now understand why nobody else has used it. <laughs> because there are some really intricate things that I thought were pretty simple that turned out not to be. So they're giving us problems, but we're going to solve those problems. But, but the ultimate product is going to be unlike anything else on the market. And that's what's really important. So my fault, guys. Blame it on me. We know stocks, but this is a different, different project altogether. So it's definitely been a learning curve for us. And we've learned a lot. We have done some really cool stuff. The um, polymer detachable box bottom metal is really cool. And everybody who's seen it wants to use it for things other than a plastic stock. And now, it's made specifically for our stock, but we can inlet any of our Macmillan stocks for it. So if you want to be able to buy a high-quality detachable box magazine for around $79, instead of 350, then it, it'll be something you want to look at. So that's really cool too. Okay. I'm, our, our first guest just happened to bump into me at the SHOT Show. Now, I know he didn't accidentally walk into the booth. He came in for a reason, but I had never met him before. And to be perfectly honest, I hadn't heard about what he did and why. And as soon as he started talking to me, I said, wait, wait, you need to talk to my daughter. So I'm going to let Brittany handle the majority of this um, conversation with Gary, because I think it'll be evident during this conversation why they have such a bond. So Britt, I want you to introduce Gary and uh, start the uh, conversation. Hello, my friend. Um, this is Gary Larson. He and I connected at SHOT Show um, over something, I guess it could be firearms related, but on a completely different level. So I'm going to let him start by just telling a little bit about himself and, and uh, how we actually ended up connecting. Yeah. Um, thank, thank you guys so much for, for having me on, first of all. Um, and uh, Kelly, it actually was on accident that I bumped into you because I was waiting near your booth because I was actually lost and I couldn't find my way out of that area in Shot Show. So I sent some Marines to come and rescue me. And in the process of them uh, coming to get me, I just turned around and just happened to uh, connect with, with you and Brittany. But um, so that was the beginning of our relationship. So my name is Gary Larson. I'm the, um, the I guess, the architect of the Guardian Long Range Competition. 
Um, so the Guardian Long Range um, is a charity match. Uh, the charity matches throughout the entire U.S. where 100% of the proceeds go back to help foster kids and orphans. Um, myself, I was a foster kid, um, orphan for several years growing up from the time I was around 11 um, until I was getting ready to age out of the uh, foster care system when I was 18. And uh, actually had gotten adopted uh, my senior year of high school by my caseworker. So um, that's a little bit about my background, but I've always had a passion for shooting. Um, I've always wanted to, uh, you know, do things like that. And when I found an opportunity to be able to merge um, long range shooting with a creative ministry, I, I created the Guardian Long Range competition about five years ago. So it's been hugely successful. It's been amazing. We've had a tremendous amount of sponsor support. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's just taken off like, like wildfire. Um, I don't want to share too much because for the shooters who haven't been to a Guardian, there's a lot of really cool stories uh, that come with that that actually separate the Guardian from so many of the other uh, matches out there. Um, so this past weekend, I attended my first Guardian match, and I will tell you, it is unlike any event, um, any charity event, any shooting event that I have ever attended. So can you share a little bit about what makes it different? Yeah. So um, first of all, um, when, when shooters register, their registration fee is an actual donation, and it's a tax-deductible donation. So as a shooter, um, you get to not only shoot in a match, but you get to write it off for taxes. You get to help foster kids and, and orphans, things like that. So that's one of the key differentiators is, um, and that's true for sponsors and for shooters, is that as a 503C, um, you can write off all, all donations, including any of those registrations. Um, so that's one of the other, uh, one of the big differences. One of the other things is, all of the donations that we get from sponsors like McMillan, 100% of those are raffled off. So the top shooter doesn't walk away with the top prize. We actually raffle everything off and we raffle it off for $5 a ticket. And we've been so blessed to be able to have so many raffle tickets being purchased like Brittany experienced last weekend that we ran out of, we had three giant spools of raffle tickets and we ran out of those. And I turn around and Brittany's having to manually make pieces of paper and shove them into the raffle bucket. Um, because, you know, the, it was such an overpowering of just support from, from all the shooters there. So that's one of the other key differentiators. The other thing is we really, um, emphasize what I call creative fellowship or some type of fellowship where we want um, shooters and ROs and everybody to help each other because there's nothing more frustrating than spending $200 to come to a match, not hitting anything, and then not understanding why you didn't hit anything. So we actually encourage people in your squad, actually even ROs, that if somebody is struggling to be able to help with that. Um, and what that does, that fosters an environment where you have shooters, you know, you know, probably 80% of our shooters have shot in five or less matches. And what you find is that those most more seasoned shooters love helping and mentoring those. And we encourage that. So um, those are a few of the differences in, in the uh, Guardian and, and other matches. One of the last things, just uh, one of the last things is um, 
if we were to think about the Guardian in almost a, it's like an NRL PRS type match, but it has the feeling of your local club match where it feels like family. By the end of the match, you've made friends, you've got connections, um, you've exchanged network to help you as a shooter and, and in other areas of your life. So it's, it's much bigger than a shooting event. It, it truly is a, a, an experience. And I saw that firsthand. Um, we had less than ideal weather conditions at the match this past weekend, um, which wreaked havoc on people's physical comfort, but also their equipment. Um, and we saw a couple of people whose, whose systems went down. And to my surprise, I think there were six or eight other shooters offering up their systems so that that shooter could shoot and they would forego the rest of the competition. So um, just the camaraderie, the willingness to help, the fun. I think we laughed more that weekend than I have in, in years. So it was a great experience. Hey, Gary, I want to ask a question. How did you get from foster kids, orphans to a shooting match? I mean, yeah. that's a big leap. Yeah. Foster kids and guns and stuff, they don't usually aren't the first two connect points people make. Well, so I was in ROTC when I was in high school and I was part of a shooting team and I've always uh, appreciated shooting and um, never really got to go into the military. I actually got out of the military before I actually started, um, ended up playing collegiate baseball and, and going on from there. Um, but throughout my entire young life, I said, man, I really like to get back into shooting. And once I did, several years ago, I would go to the range and I would connect with people. And it was like, you know, the running joke was these people would have like an AR in one hand and a Bible in another. And I was like, this is a total perfect demographic for the church to embrace. And why hasn't this been embraced and tapped into? And I said, you know what, I'm going to tap into this. And I was, I'm, I'm currently a board member for Bethany. What's, what's kind of funny is I went from being a foster kid in under their care to where now I'm a leader um, in the largest Christian adoption foster care agency. And I kind of have that rags to riches story, but um, I, I asked for forgiveness and not permission. And what I did is I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to build this thing and we're going to do it. And Oh yeah, by the way, Bethany, I'm doing a fundraiser that involves guns. And there was a collective <gasps> in the community, but um, regardless whether or not you, enjoy guns, what your status is on guns. I encourage anybody to come to a guardian event and see the life change that we're doing there through this creative ministry. And I have a hard time believing anybody would say that this is not an event that everybody should participate in. Well, McMillan likes to get involved in a lot of things and, and we really want to be involved in things that we believe in. And as our conversation started, we probably hadn't talked for more than a minute and a half when you mentioned foster kids. And I said, wait a minute, you need to talk to my daughter. And that's a connection. Now I'm not going to give her secret up. I'll let her talk about that. But um, we've done fundraisers using firearms before for, for unusual events. For instance, we raised money for ovarian cancer by doing a shotgun shoot. So, uh, and you know, we're ovarian cancer. Now a lot of men were there too, but there were a lot of women shooting shotguns for the first time. 
which was really fun and really cool. But it was a really good cause, and that's when we really like to get behind it. And it ex- explains why Brittany has committed to do what she has committed to do. So I'll let her talk about that a little bit. Um, I've spent 10 years of my adult life in education around kids. Um, I got out to come back to the family business and, um, I didn't leave education to leave the kids. Uh, so that's one part of my life that, w- that was missing and coming back. So, um, about October, I started the process of becoming a foster parent here in Arizona. Um, just because I've, I've seen those kids come through my school. Um, I've seen the situation that they've been in and want to be able to be a positive role model, a positive um, part of their life for as long or as short as it, as it may be. Um, And it's just obviously something that, that touches, touches me um, to be able to combine basically two of my passions, which is kids and education Mm -hmm. and the family business. Um, And I don't know that there could have been a better scenario of the two of them coming together. And one other connection that we have to foster children is my wife, Mary Jo McMillan, who also works in the business and a lot of people who, who do business with us know her. Um, She was on the foster care review board as part of something that she felt really strongly about to, to be a a part of that whole process as well. So um, the fact that you just happened to accidentally find my booth now that, I am not surprised that you said that because you can't tell how many people have come to that booth and said, we were looking all over for you. And when we found you, we were lost because we just happened to be in a place at the shot show where it's, it's not as simple to find. And when you do, it's kind of like we're behind and between uh, other booths. So it makes it difficult. So that didn't surprise me that uh, you were lost. But I, I wish you had actually been looking for us. But. Well, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that because there have been many times where I felt like I was lost, but there's always a purpose in my journey. Um, even when this past weekend we had the match and we had some, some things go a little bit crazy with one of the lunches. What was, what was funny is we had met a sponsor a couple weeks before who said, hey, I'd love to come out, just hang out. and Do you mind if I bring snacks and drinks? And I said, sure, not a problem. Well, little did I know that the snacks and the drinks that this gentleman was going to provide helped hold the shooters off for the few hours that, um, you know, was the delay in this lunch. So uh, there's a plan in all of, you know, this. I'm not smart enough to have pulled all of this off. Um, and, and, you know, this meeting Brittany and meeting you and getting involved with this, um, you know, it's it's been an awesome experience. It's only starting. Now, Brittany's got some master mega plans for the Guardian when we come to Arizona. I know we'll talk about it a little bit, but it's it's going to be, um, you know, she's 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 a bulldog. She's going to get some amazing things done through the Guardian. Boy, I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the same studio. As she. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you meant that in an endearing term. She. Oh, yeah. She definitely works very hard, and anything that she takes on, uh, she's going to do it absolutely as well as she possibly can. And if there's a goal to be achieved, 
above that is where she sets her sights. So, um, uh, but I, I want her to talk about that. I want her to tell everybody what we're doing here and, and what she's doing. And, and I'll, I'll tell you when she says, dad, I want to sponsor a, a match. I said, it's on you girl. It's all you. <laughs> I'm, I got plenty to do. <laughs> so Britt, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Um, so again, Gary and I chatted for quite a while at shot show. Uh, the majority of the guardian matches are all on the East coast, which is quite a far trek for all of us. Um, so I said, well, we need to fix that because there's a lot of shooters on the West coast that really want to participate. Um, so we're going to have a match for you. And I don't really think Gary believed me. Um, but shortly thereafter, we had the site nailed down. Um, I think we're pretty well set in terms of overall logistics and the course of fire and the date. Um, and it's not until December. So we're ahead of the game, but we are going to host a guardian match in Arizona in December. Um, it'll be December. I'm giving away the date scary. Eighth and ninth. Um, and it is going to be up in Northern Arizona, up in wiki up at the big Sandy range. Um, it is going to be all guardian matches are in unlike any other precision shooting match, but this is going to be unlike any other guardian match too. Um, so we've got a lot of exciting things. I don't want to give away all the secrets, but there are going to be some events and things that people can participate in um, that I would say most of the general public has probably never gotten the opportunity to do. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but we're excited. We, we've had Tim from Bethany come out and Patrick a couple weeks ago, look at the course of fire, um, set everything up. So we're well on our way to, to hosting a nice match. This is the first time I've ever been involved with putting a match together where the course of fire has been done like eight months in advance. Uh, usually it's the week before I get something on a napkin and says, here's the course of fire, give it to the shooters. But uh, Brittany has already got all that mapped out. So one of the very best things about the fact that McMillan participates so heavily in competition and um, fundraising is that when we ask people, because we give so much, a lot of people give back. So I'm really excited at the fact that uh, Brittany's got a really special plan for something. And, and, And the reason that I'm, letting her do this is because it, it really is. When I said, I told her it was her deal, all of these ideas she's come up with and she's the one that's been doing the footwork to, to make it happen. But um, you know, a lot of people don't realize how many firearms related companies that we have here in the Valley and in the state of Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so one of her ideas, I think she needs to talk about right now. We're going to give away the secret. Um, so one of the things that we do have planned is um, if if you're familiar with at all where McMillan is in Phoenix, we consider ourselves part of Firearm Alley. Um, there are several very large um, manufacturers and firearm companies within a very small uh, circumference or very small area. Um, and we are going to team up and produce a an Arizona built rifle um, for auction a separate or I'm sorry not auction raffle um, a separate 
raffle from the majority of the prize table. Um, and it will be pre- made strictly by all Arizona parts, Arizona manufacturers, um, Arizona gunsmiths will be putting it together. Everything on that gun will be manufactured or produced in Arizona. Um, which I think is a little special because this is the first West coast match. We need to make it a little bit different. Um, so we're excited. Uh, I won't give away all of the participants, but if you're familiar with firearms companies and, and where they're located, you can probably guess who will be participating. I do want to give away some of the participants, <laughs> not of, not of the rifle though. Um, uh, we've gotten um, some feedback from Owens Armory. They're going to help us out. They, they put on a match, um, a PRS match. And so, so Beard's going to help us uh, with anything that we, we need. I know that Tim uh, Milkovich and, and Regina Milkovich are going to work as ROs. So there are a lot of people that we already have committed to this match that are, are going to help out with, with what's going on. Uh, really exciting for me. It's going to be a really awesome thing for the Guardian, for Bethany, for foster kids in general. And um, it's going to be great for Brittany because as part of Brittany's job of positioning herself to be the face of McMillan, she's she's starting to do some of the things that I've always done. And, and I think it's going to be good for her and I, it's going to be good for McMillan too. So Gary, talk to us about why, and you, you mentioned that you were a foster kid, but you ended up going to the university and playing baseball. Yeah. Um, it, some people have this idea that, that foster homes are bad things mm. and that f- f- kids go from foster home to foster home. And I know there are sometimes examples of that, but um, I want people to think of, of fostering as being one of the biggest gifts that, that people can give because it really does have the opportunity to change the kid's life. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when I think of it, I'm a father of four and all of which are, you know, older now, believe it or not, I'm a couple years away from being an empty nester. Um, But raising teenagers that were mine caused my hair loss, and they're mine. And what I think about is to be a foster parent means I'm signing up to take a, a kid who most likely has come from a broken situation, and I'm going to step into that chaos and create calm and love and support. And Um, It's not an easy job, Uh, but none of the jobs in our lives that are worth anything have ever come easy. And the people that have helped make me uh, who I am today and have helped um, shape my life as a husband, as a father, are are the people who always stepped into the difficult, like Brittany and and others who have raised their hand and said, you know, this is what I want to do. So if there are people out there that are wondering about foster care, Bethany is, you know, the, you know, the largest organization in the U.S. that focuses um, on uh, adoption and foster care. They're a phenomenal agency, but there are many others where if, um, you know, if we were to just take, you know, a, a fraction of the people that are in the firearms industry, and if they were to raise their hands as 
foster parents, what you would find is all of the kids would would uh, find homes. Um, just one quick statistic I want to I want to share, which is um, eighty percent of kids that age out of the foster care system, and that means they've turned eighteen and they're no longer a part of the state-run foster care system, 80% of them are homeless or in jail within a year. Let that sink in, homeless or in jail within a year. And if you have an opportunity to step into that child's life at some point and change that, um, this is a phenomenal venue for that. So I thank McMillan for being a part of this and helping to change the trajectory of these kids' lives, um, many of which you'll never meet, but they'll, There'll be McMillan uh, family. Well, thank you for being on the show, Gary, and thank you for all you do. I think it's very commendable that you work as hard as you do for for this cause. We really believe in it. Uh, Thanks, Brittany, for uh, her hard work for McMillan so that we can make this happen. Um, You're not going to believe it, but we've blown through 30 minutes already. So, unfortunately, we have to, to... to say goodbye now, uh, I would like to ask all of our radio listeners to stand by while we take a short break, and uh, we'll do a short commercial here on Facebook, but we'll be right back. Thank you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. For over 40 years, McMillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, McMillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the McMillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at McMillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacMillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacMillanUSA.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. Thanks for sticking around during that commercial break. Uh, really enjoyed Gary. I, I love the, the whole program. He's so dedicated to what he does. Uh, um, and, and I like the fact that it, he was a, a rags to riches story and shows why it's important for people to be um, willing to be foster parents and to have these kids in their homes, as Brittany said, for however short or long that might be, because it's a really, really good cause. Uh, to produce a guy like Gary uh, through that system, it definitely shows you that it's worthwhile. So th that was awesome. And, and, and I thank him again for, for everything that he does. Now I want to get on to our next guest, Nick Vitalbo. Nick, how are you? Great. Got it right, too. I'm impressed. Yeah. So you're the president of Envision Technology and Invista LLC. That's, yes, that's correct. Give and us an overview of who you are first. Sure. That's a great. Uh, so most of us actually here came out of Lockheed Martin. We're located in Akron, Ohio. Uh, most of you know the, the rest of the world knows us through a lot of the work, though, that we do with applied ballistics. And so we're actually the engineering team behind a lot of the applied ballistics products. And so most likely, you've, you know, my joke is always that you've probably cursed my name more than once or twice when using one of the products like the Kestrel, maybe the Sig Sauer Kilo 2400 or other items like that, or maybe the applications on the phones. Uh, the team here in Akron is responsible for a lot of that stuff. So Invisti is the engineering branch of applied ballistics as well as we do a lot of stuff with uh, optical wind measurement and uh, other devices like that. I just wanted to get the, the Kestrel. This is the applied go. ballistics um, full Kestrel. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't going to take it out, but good, you've got yours. Um, one of the products that we sell on ELRHQ.com. So just, I, I wanted to throw that out there. So. Uh, hey, I appreciate you plugging that. That's great. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. I thought that was fun. That's okay. So the team here in Akron uh, at Invisti and Envision, we do a lot of the work that's like the software work, the electronics work that's inside a lot of the components. Like we work hand in hand with the team at Nelson Kellerman to do the integration of the ballistic solver into the device as well as the applications. Um, and really what I was hoping to do today is kind of maybe, um, I think a lot of the users and a lot of your listeners are probably users of the devices. I kind of wanted to give an update on some of the, the most recent advancements that we have going on, kind of give people an idea on how that's gonna improve their performance at long range. Sure, go ahead. That sounds good. Uh, you may have noticed over the past couple of weeks, uh, there was a press release that was, um, went out from Applied Ballistics. It was for the ESSO contract that um, that Applied Ballistics won recently. That stands for Extreme Sniper Strike Operations, which is a pretty cool name. Uh, but what that really means is that uh, Brian and the team up in Michigan are looking into how to improve the ballistic performance or the predictability of these ballistics computers to be able to accurately predict the you know, trajectory at extreme long ranges, like 2,500 meters plus. And so that comes into play, especially like, you know, this weekend's world's longest shot competition, being able to put impacts on target with the first round is usually scored a lot higher. Um, so not only in a military application, but from a, a competition standpoint as well. Um, a lot of that comes from the work that was done in Modern Advancements Volume 2. I don't know if uh, you guys are familiar with some of the studies that Brian did, but he shot uh, you know, the same projectile out of a barrel with an 8, a 10, and a 12 twist, and 
measured the elevation change at distance and saw the differences there. And it was actually pretty substantial uh, between the, the two different uh, or the three different barrels. And so a lot of that study uh, is now going into, uh, you know, make it across all calibers, all bullets. And a lot of that technology is going to get embedded into the, the Kestrel and other things. So just as a quick question about that, Nick, um, most people determine the, the twist rate that they want to use based on the weight of the bullet, the length of the bullet, and what they think it, it takes to stabilize that bullet at whatever distance that they want to shoot at. Now, I'm assuming that because he shot these three different twists through the same gun, uh, same bullet, and I'm sure the launch angle was probably about the same so that yeah. they had similar flight characteristics or varying flight characteristics. And then that would be indicative of only the twists. Yeah. He tried to make them basically all the same. Okay. So try to like isolate all the variables when you're trying to do these experiments and just isolate the one thing that's different. And that's the twist rate in this case. So what was the one thing that that test showed that they, that we didn't know before? Really what it showed was that uh, when you're shooting out of like a higher twist rate barrel, so like one and eight twist, for instance, when uh, the bullet was launched, the, the frontal area of the bullet was effectively lower. And so it flew with less drag. It didn't process as much. And the result of that was that the point of impact had less elevation drop. Uh, and then the 10 twist had more elevation drop. The 12 twist had the most. And so if you can characterize that across the board, uh, then you can you know, get a better solution at range. And so that's really what that testing was all about. The problem was, is that that was one test. That's one caliber, one bullet, and one test. And now you need to be able to extend that across the board, all calibers and all twist rates and things like that. So that's what we're working on now. And I don't want to get bogged down in this twist thing, but for a lot of people, I built rifles and I'm still not sure I understand exactly everything I need to know. Um, sure. For example, we put our 300 Win Mags in our hunting rifles. We, for whatever reason, we put them in a 1 and 12. In our tactical rifles, we put them in a 1 and 11, thinking that the, the tactical guy is probably going to shoot a little bit heavier bullet. Come to find out, probably 1 and 10 is good for everything. Probably. Um, but what the Marine Corps found when they were shooting 185 to 200 grain bullets out of a 24 inch barrel in a 308, a one and eight was the best at a thousand yards. The one and eight was the best twist. You can't find a single competitive shooter anywhere shooting a one and eight twist, a 308, shooting a 185s or 200s. Right. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I mean, that's a, a lot of the, I mean, I would agree with their studies and what they found. I mean, that's definitely what we found as well. But a lot of that needs to get pushed out into the public. And that's, I think, you know, what Brian's mission is and the applied ballistics team as well is to educate the public on that kind of information and make sure that everybody's uh, up to speed on all of that. So how does this contract affect you and your companies? So the way uh, it usually works is uh, applied ballistics is responsible for the science component. So basically the ballistic solver and how that math happens. Um, Brian and his guys up there then take that, give it to us, and we propagate it out to the products. So the way it works is then that will get pushed out to the Kestrel, get pushed out to like the Kilo 2400 uh, from Sig Sauer, or maybe even like the 
the Storm SLXE, which is a military device, as well as the Raptor S, which is a military device, uh, a lot of that stuff gets pushed out through our team. Um, I heard, erroneously maybe, or maybe it, maybe that contract involves having to have uh, a rifle that actually they can use to test it. Uh, yeah. But it, but it came out through someone that they got a rifle contract. I think the press release says it. And so I have to go back and verify that, but I think there is a production of a weapon system there. Okay. Now, but they're being charged with, with developing a system or at least, I don't think AB ever wants to be in the firearms manufacturing business. So I'm assuming that whatever they have to produce in the way of a firearm is to help prove this theory. Prove the concept. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. a lot of what it is. So okay, good. Prove the concepts on these things. So, uh, But all that will trickle down eventually to all the civilian shooters as well. A lot of the work that they're doing in the lab will then go and be placed in the Kestrel. And so, you know, one of the big things, and, and this kind of gets into the competition shooting and whatnot, is, you know, I was kind of watching some of the, the videos yesterday from the World's Longest Shot competition. Some guys were posting on Facebook and such. They were out there trying to get um, good drop data at distance. And, and really, to get first-round impacts, you need to be able to predict that prior to actually going out there, right? Right. And a lot of this stuff, a lot of these tests, a lot of this math, a lot of the work going on in the laboratory is going to be able to um, enable us to do better predictions at long range uh, and, as a result, increase the probability of hit on target at extreme long range. Well, I'm a real proponent of ELR. I am not – I'm never going to say that this is really ridiculous because the margin of error, be it so small, at 100, 200, or 1,000 yards gets so big at two or three miles that any success is, is pretty much, I hate to say luck, but if your margin of error is larger than the target, there's got to be some luck involved in being able to get it to hit the target. Well, you're right. And actually, it's kind of funny because uh, a lot of the work that we do here is simulating what the probability of hit looks like. And if you can, like, take a thousand shots and simulate what that looks like from a, a like called weapon employment zone analysis perspective, what that shot distribution looks like, it's absolutely huge at range. And so you do get lucky sometimes when you get a bullet on target at those ranges. I mean, uh, some of the uncertainties that add up here are just ridiculous. And, and your shot group looks like it's a 20 foot by 20 foot spread out there which would be men at an angle you know yeah, exactly. and, which is really good yeah that's great <laughs> but it's it's hard to do anything repeatable in in an area that seems like what you're doing is actually uh, of any value so yeah I, and and i don't want to demean long-range shooting at all i think every time you pull the trigger at uh, at extreme long range, we learned something that we didn't know before, which I think is really important. Had we not been trying those shots, that 2.2 mile shot by the Canadian sniper wouldn't have ever happened because they, they wouldn't have not even known where to start to predict where that bullet was going to go. So they just wouldn't have taken the shot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, that's really where applied ballistics and Invisti 
come into play. I mean, that's really what our goal is, is to uh, be able to develop the technologies and the science behind all of that to enable those kind of shots to happen. And so um, a lot of the applied ballistic stuff you guys are pretty familiar with. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do is also related to uh, laser range finding, you know, at long distance, the importance of having an accurate range to target is incredibly important. And then the other thing that we do, and this is going to sound, this is really the part of the work that's really cool to talk about is optical wind measurement. That's a large portion of what we do too. So being able to shine a laser on the target, look at the return of that laser coming back and determine what the average crosswind speed is between you and the target. Now, it's probably a little ways off before you see it in the civilian marketplace, but that's a lot of what we have under development here. And that's really where our heritage is at, is in how lasers propagate through the atmosphere and how you could take advantage of things like that uh, in order to be able to measure the wind speed and such. And that is the one thing that is probably the most... Hellish? Yes. Yeah, that's a great word. That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. That's the one thing that kills you. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because no matter how good you are, for instance, Emil Praslik, you, you may yeah. or may not know. Yeah, we know each other. As good at reading wind as, as there is. But he's really good at a thousand yards because he's had years and years and years of of watching wind flags and this. Well, you get out to two three miles, you don't have wind flags. You you have two or three different directions of wind at the same time, and your eye just can't pick up some of that stuff. Cool to know that a laser can. Um, that's that seems to me like that improvement right there will probably solve some of the biggest issues that we have with extreme long range shooting. Yeah. When, it's going to, when be, you uh, get that developed. Yeah. It's definitely a key to getting any hits at long range there. And I mean, when you think about it though, it's like the bullet flight times are like seven, eight, nine seconds. And even if you have a perfect wind measurement at the time you actually take the measurement, by the time that bullet actually gets out to the target, that wind has changed significantly. So there's, there's also that involved. So there, that luck thing comes back into play quite a bit here. Yeah, seven, seven seconds at two miles is the average flight time, depending on what the velocity was. But that's about what it was at the king of two miles. So uh, it is really hard to imagine how long seven seconds is when you're, you're literally, you're used to pulling the trigger and the hole appearing in the target. I mean, even at 1,000 yards, it's barely perceptible, the lag. But then when you get out at two miles, the seven seconds is a long time. That's incredibly long, yeah. And, you know, to, by the time you make a correction to that, the wind will have changed. And, you know, I'm sure Emil talked about this on, on the show when he was on. But, uh, you know, not only is it important to know, uh, like, what the actual wind speed is now, but it's also important to know what's going to happen to the wind. So, uh you know, if you study the wind for long enough, you'll realize that, uh, you know, the wind usually stays steady for quite some time, and then it will gust up. So there's things like not wanting to shoot in a gust and whatnot that come into play uh, also. One of the things that, that I struggle with is when we're talking about producing a shoulder-fired rifle that can shoot a projectile that has the, the ballistic coefficient plus the mass to be, for a better 
were lethal at these ranges. And so there's got to be a certain amount of, of powder velocity recoil comes into play. There's a lot of things. These guns they're shooting at King of two mile. They put a 40 pound limit on them. Yeah. You're not carrying those guns in the field. I don't, I mean, I know a Barrett weighs over 40 pounds. The semi-auto Barrett weighs over 40 pounds with optics and a suppressor, but nobody wants to carry that either. Um, is there, there's been a, a trend to go away from the 50 cal to, to come up with a smaller bullet that has better flight characteristics so that they can have a rifle that they can actually carry and shoot. Uh, and does this program that AB is working on, is there any guidelines about how this firearm uh, and system is is going to perform and where it's going to be in the spectrum? You know, from a caliber perspective or a weight perspective, you know, there's no real requirements with respect to that. But if you look at just in general, like, and really the civilian like world and especially these competitions, uh, like the world's longest shot this week uh, are really driving the, the train there in terms of, uh, you know, ballistic performance and whatnot. And you see so many guys going with solids now, as opposed to, everything else and so with these solids you can come up with some pretty ridiculous designs and have extremely high ballistic coefficient bullets that are very long but you'll notice though like these bullets don't look like normal uh you know lead-based uh you know bullets with copper jackets they are extremely long they are uh you know very pointed at the nose and things like that so they're extremely different in terms of their design and so there's a lot of work going into the actual bullet design itself. And I know um, Brian's working on this enabler cartridge, which um, is basically the enhanced like long range bullet and cartridge to just make sure that uh, these bullets can be you know, launched at sufficient velocity, can be stabilized out of a, a sufficiently uh, you know, fast twisted barrel. And because these solids are very, very long. <clears throat> I don't know how long ago you worked at Lockheed Martin, but our paths crossed uh, a little bit because about 2008, 2009, there was a project out there, uh, a guided 50 cal round. And I know Lockheed Martin had their, their hand in that. Uh, we were, we originally started working with Boeing. One of the things about the program was that they had to have a 50 caliber rifle that could shoot the 50 caliber bullet right. that was guidable. So, People came to us and said, well, they want something that already exists or do we want to build something around it? Uh, the coolest thing about a, a guided 50 caliber round that you could actually guide up to 16 feet at a thousand yards, which means hitting a, a, a walking moving target uh, would be doable, uh, is that all we had to do was get it to go about 11 feet out of the barrel and, and the guidance take over and, and we don't yeah. have to worry about how accurate the gun is. Uh, really kind of defeated our purpose for being in the, in the deal. But um, I know um, Boeing had a, um, a rocket stabilized, a rocket propelled stabilized version that they were working on. And we worked with a different company and I can't remember the name of it, but theirs was spin stabilized. Did you ever work on that project at all? Yeah, that was the exacto program. Exacto. So the, 
It was primed out of uh, Lockheed Martin missiles and fire control down in um, Dallas area, but it was uh, also involved our team up here in Akron, Ohio. And so the, actually, I think there were two competitors. There was Lockheed Martin and there was Teledyne at the end of the day. And so the, the Lockheed Martin team, I don't think transitioned into phase two, but the Teledyne team did. And there's some videos online of the guys that have done that. And then um, Sandia National Labs also picked it up after that. So uh, that's a pretty cool program. And I don't know how many of those actually been fielded, but a lot of the stuff that, you know, the technologies that have been developed there end up making it out to the world in some way, shape or form. And then like our team at Lockheed was uh, the team that did a program called OneShot. So if you've ever heard of that or heard that reference at all, that was our team back in the day. And that was about that same 2008, 2009 timeframe there. Yeah, no, I didn't hear about that. Um, brief description of it. Uh, optical wind measurement system. If you okay. Google it, you'll see that it was probably, uh, you know, looked like about the size of a paper towel roll. And so it was completely impractical to actually carry anywhere. But a lot of that technology has been developed over the past uh, 10 years or so. And finally getting down to a weapon mounted size package that, can measure accurately out to about 1500 meters. Well, if you think about that time frame that we're talking about 2008, 2009, a lot of um, exploratory uh, military money dried up after that. So th yeah. th there weren't nearly as many projects uh, in the last uh, six, seven years as there were uh, during the time that we're talking about. So uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I'm out of the firearms business right now. Uh, I'd sold my rifle company in 2013, uh, so you know I, I didn't get a lot of the uh, updates that that a lot of that we we did before. But still, like to keep up with what's going on with the new stuff. Um, we don't have much time left, Nick, and uh, it doesn't sound like. And I know that you're proud of the work that you do on these products and stuff. But you yourself, you don't sell a product. You don't you don't have anything for my. But I know that a lot of our listeners are really into this stuff. So if you've got a website that you can give out so that people can look at what you're really doing and find out a little bit more about you, I know they'd love that. Yeah, sure. I, you know, and I'd actually really just point them to the Applied Ballistics website simply because a lot of the products that we embed the technologies into are sold there. Uh, and that's probably the best place to find that information. There's a little bit about the team there. And then uh, www.invisti.com is another place you can kind of get an idea of what is uh, some of the work we work on. And there's some good articles there on wind reading and uh, measuring range target, things like that that you guys might find interesting too. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show with us, Nick. It's been really uh, uh, interesting to me to, to get to know you and, and know about the work that you do. Uh, even though I've known about it for a while, just didn't know you. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to to be on. I want to thank all of our listeners and our watchers and our uh, Facebook fans for being with us. And uh, we will see you next week on Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. <laughs>